0: was talking about the uh, Chinese folks you have coming to the church. Why well, I say praise the Lord. God's good. Amen. Amen. And I remember a time I was preaching at a camp up in Michigan, pastor for the whole summer. Uh, they started me in, I don't know, like seven or eight weeks in a row. You know, I was the main speaker all summer long. And I had either the first or second week a teen camp. We had uh, two young men there from Mexico City. Their mother was a pen pal with uh, one of the ladies from the local church uh, there, from a local Baptist church, and, and the uh, lady uh, uh, got a chance to have her sons come up to Michigan for the uh, three or four or five weeks in the summer, but she made her promise that she would not take them to a Baptist church, and so she kept that promise. She brought them to a Baptist camp, Amen. And uh, the one young man uh, could not speak any English at all. And the other one could hardly speak any English. And I preached, and that last Friday night I preached on hell. And that last night of the, uh, that week of teen camp, that first week of teen camp, I believe it was, I preached on hell. And I gave the invitation. And as I'm preaching, the one young man, to the best that he could do, was interpreting to his brother sitting next to him. And when I gave the invitation for salvation, both hands went up in the air. And so uh, somebody said, well, you better talk to him because I don't know what I'm doing, amen. So I took him over to the dining hall of the camp and sat there, and the one who could speak English, it took me almost an hour to explain it to him so he could get an understanding. And he bowed his head there and he asked Jesus Christ to forgive him, to save him by his grace. And then he sat there, and for another hour, I, he interpreted why I explained it to his brother, amen. And then his brother got saved. So see, God can save those of mixed culture, pastor, who can't understand a thing you say. Well, most of us can't understand what you say anyway. I'm just saying. No, you know, mixed culture means nothing when it comes to the Lord, amen. He will work it out. He'll help somebody to understand. I think I always go back to the book of Acts where it says they heard in their language, in their tongue. You know, I get to thinking about it so many times, preacher, about it. it wasn't, the miracle was not in what the apostles were saying through an unknown language, the miracle was in what the people were hearing in their own language, amen? Boy, I tell you, God can work a miracle even today when it comes to the saving of souls. And by the way, when you got saved, it was a miracle that worked in your life, amen? amen? Oh, that's pretty pathetic. When you got saved, it was a miracle that worked in your life. Amen. Thank you, amen, Well, I tell you. I like that one preacher. You feel like you got to run out there and sit down and say "Amen" to yourself sometimes. Hallelujah. Well, Jeremiah chapter three tonight. It is a privilege to be here again. We are leaving on Thursday, on Friday morning, and I'm going to Scranton, Pennsylvania, to Hickory Street Baptist Church. We have a four day revival meeting. Then we have to leave there Thursday morning. Have to be back in Michigan on Saturday, and um, and then get my trailer packed down, preaching a couple of churches while I'm there, and then I had had uh, had. Down south, amen. I know Pastor gets jealous every time he finds out I'm in Florida, and I like to call you when it's uh, when I watch a weather report up here, and uh, it's uh, 15 below zero, and down there it's 85 degrees. I like that part, amen. My wife's glad for it. She hates the snow, and uh, I am not a snowman either. Well, I look like one, but I'm not. I'm not one, amen. Jeremiah chapter 3 this evening, and if you were going to read Jeremiah chapter 3 all the way through the whole chapter, the Lord is equating um, the nation of um, uh, the southern kingdom, the two tribes, uh, as spiritual uh, adulterers. In fact, he calls them all through here, adultery, 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 He even comes to the point where he tells Israel they're like a a whorish woman. And he says uh, that they will not listen who who sticks out her, her forehead like, you can't tell me any different, I'm doing what I'm going to do. And it's a sad state when people get to that position in their, their lives. But I've seen Christians who get to that position in their lives. Christians who would stick their forehead out and almost a stiff neck, like an attitude that, I don't need what you are telling me and I can live how I want to live and do what I want to do. Well, the Lord uh, tells them here that is not so. Uh, In verse 20 and verse 21 of this text, and we're going to come back... uh, a, a verse around verse eight, but verse twenty and twenty-one. He says, "Surely, as your wife treacherously departed from her husband, so have ye dealt treacherously with me, O house of Israel," saith the Lord. A voice was heard upon the high places, weeping and supplication of the children of Israel, for they have perverted their way, and they have forgotten the Lord their God. Then he says, "Return, ye backsliding children, and I will heal your backsliding." Behold, we come unto thee. For thou art the Lord our God. He says what to do; they end up doing it. Until that point, though, God is putting them on the line with some things that were going on in their lives. I gotta uh, read this little thought I have to you. There was a a young lady one time who had lived um, lived a pretty rough life, a pretty hard life, and and started attending Bible classes in the church or the home she came from, or. Her father was godless, her mother was godless, and didn't have anything to do with anything to do with the Lord and nothing to do with any kind of a church at all. Her parents, when she got saved, her parents ridiculed her and did everything that they could in their power to cause her to renounce her faith in Jesus Christ. Her father said this to her it is not natural for a young girl like you to be religious. The girl, however, was steadfast. She said, the change of heart I've had is not natural either, but it's supernatural. It is altogether from God. Only God could do what he has done in my life. By his grace, I will never go back to that old life. Well, time passed. Her father and her mother watched her for quite a while. And and by the way, when you tell people you get saved and there's a change in your life, people watch you. Amen. Amen. Isn't that true? People watch you. They want to see if what you're saying is really true. Well, time passed, and her father, observing the change which had taken place in her life, said, One day, I guess it must really it must have really been real to you. Because now you get up at six o'clock every morning to study your Bible. Before that you were so lazy we had trouble even getting you out of bed. <laughs> And that's how he gauged it. He said there has been a change that took place. And I'm sure there were other changes that took place, but it became important to her to be in the Word of God. Amen. What happens to us sometimes is we have a tendency to, to uh, get really excited. Remember the day you got saved. Amen. And you get real excited, and you're really happy in, ha- what we say, happy in Jesus, amen? And, and I know we don't go by feelings, Pastor, but I want to tell you what, I'm glad I got saved, and it felt pretty good when I got saved, amen? And I know you would say the same thing. If you're really born again, saved by His grace, you would say that same thing. So there's a, there comes a time in people's lives sometimes, though, when they begin to go backwards rather than forward. And then it becomes easier and easier, it seems like, because of some things going on in their life to draw farther and farther away from the things of the Lord. Well, look back in verse 8 of this text with me. I just want to look at a couple of things for you. I see here there's a need for revival. You notice recently I've been preaching a lot of messages on revival, and uh, I've got some more. I'm working on another one right now. Uh, and I might get to preach this next week. I don't know. My wife would like to hear something new now and then. Amen. <laughs> and because uh, she gets to hear the same thing all over, uh, all over, all over the place for the last 30 years. I do write new messages, by the way, uh, but but uh, not not like you would if you were in a pastor, Amen. I'm glad I'm not pastoring, pastor. I don't have to struggle every week, three, four, or five times a week to get messages ready. But I do have to work and I have to do a study. Amen. Here in chapter three and verse eight, he says, and I saw when for the cause, uh, and I saw, excuse me, when for all the cause where my backsliding Israel committed adultery, I had put her away and given her a bill of divorce, yet her treacherous sister, Feared not, but went and played the harlot also. I want to look back in verse 8 here for a moment where the Bible makes a statement that Judah feared not. The cause of this uh, backsliding, the cause of this need for a revival in their life, that there was no fear, no fear. You know, you see the t shirt sometimes, and uh, the kids have on, and young folks, even I've seen some uh, older adults that have on sometimes, they said, uh, 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 fear nothing, or they'll say fear this, you know. And I look at some of them and they look bigger pot-bellied than I do and walking slower than me. I don't know if there's much to fear there, amen. But uh, I see some other guys, big strapping guys, they had that shirt on that says fear this, you know. And I'm just wondering really how tough they are. And back in the day, Pastor, I probably would have tried them to see if I could have done something. But, you know, there's a healthy need for fear of God. And so people get this idea that no fear means I have no fear of anything, and many people have no fear of God in their lives. My wife and I were traveling one time, and somebody had asked me, and they said, what do you see as the, one of the major problems in the church today? And I said, the church is apathetic today. And it's true, amen. The church has come to a place of strong apathy, and and uh, I can't remember, I said something else, a like complacency, I think is what I said. And we were talking in the van way back uh, from a church somewhere that's going back, 30 years or 28 years, somewhere around there, Pastor, and and she said, you know, Mike, that's good, that's right, but you know what causes that? No fear. No fear. No fear of God. No fear of God will cause a church to become complacent. No fear of God will cause a church to become apathetic. No fear of God will cause you to become complacent and apathetic in your own personal lives. We need to have a fear of God. They needed revival here. And God is telling them one reason you don't have it, one reason you don't have what you ought to have, one reason you're not doing what you ought to do is because there's no fear of God. And there's no fear of God, preacher, is to cause them to turn around and walk away from the things of God in their life and go in another direction. And that ought not to be in your life. It ought not to be like that. It ought not to be like that in my life. But it is so easy, so easy to come to a place of complacency because there's no fear of God. He says in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, and let me make this statement to you, that Paul... Uh, Paul feared God and kept himself under subjection. Amen. He makes a statement in 1 Corinthians 9 27 But I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that, now watch here, here is Paul's fear of God, lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Paul had a fear that he would say something to someone that would cause him them not to believe it because of his life. Amen. I want to tell you what, we need to live the right lifestyle to show people people that we love Jesus Christ that they might have a desire to have what we have amen I'd like to ask you a question I'm just you know and I probably asked this question before but when when your life is all done what will people have to say about you what will they have to say? I've been to some funerals, brother, where, where there haven't been a whole lot said about some people in those funerals. been to other funerals where you hear a lot said about that man that was a godly man or a godly woman or a godly grandmother or a godly mother or a godly grandfather, godly aunt, godly uncle. I don't know about you, but I want to be one of them godly grandfathers, Amen. I want to be one of them. I want to be one of them godly people uh, when I pass all this life. And I don't care if anybody has anything else good to say about me. I just want to know that I'm right with God, Amen. And I lived in, in, in for God, uh, in front of people, and in front of God. And we need to have a healthy fear of a holy God. Well, they had no fear, but they had no sense of sin. Look at chapter uh, 3 and verse 9. He says, And it came to pass through the lightness of her whoredom that she defied the land and committed adultery with stock, uh, stones and stocks. They had no sense of sin, or they had a lost sense of sin. They justified sin, a lost sense of sin. To them, it was no big deal. It was all right, and, and whatever they were doing was fine. It amazes me. That when a person gets saved, how, how strong they are against the things of, of sin and wickedness, Pastor Shot, And then it seems like very, uh, 15, 20 years down the lower, uh, road, those things don't bother them anymore that they were standing against before. It's so sad that, that people have gone backwards instead of forwards in their Christian life. I want to be stronger, not weaker, amen. I want to get stronger and stronger, not weaker and weaker. I want to be known, I, want, I don't know about you, but we ought to want to be known as a people that love God, amen and want to serve God with all of our heart all of our soul and all of our mind they justified sin Isaiah chapter 5 verse 20 says woe unto them that call evil good and good evil evil good and good evil and put darkness for light and light for darkness uh, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter he says shame on them he said woe to them Uh, and people have been doing that for how many years how many years I remember my wife and I, when we were first married, we attended a little church, and it was not a Baptist church pastor. You know the church, amen? It was not a Baptist church. And, and, uh, but I started to grow there, amen? And then I found out that, uh, and all I ever used was a King James Bible preacher. That's all I ever had, amen? But I found out the pastor wasn't King James, amen? He was using an ASV, and I didn't know the difference at the time, you know? And, and, but uh, that didn't even bother me as much at the time, as much as it did that I found out that the deacons, some of the deacons are making wine and beer in their garages, you probably didn't know that, did you? <laughs> I did, amen. <laughs> that bothered me more than anything. And here, I was a new Christian, and I was used to drinking before I got saved. I was used to doing a drug before I got saved. I was used to living that kind of a lifestyle before I got saved, Pastor. I couldn't understand how a Christian, how a born-again believer would want to make something like that in their home and allow uh, and, and then want to turn around and drink it and get drunk. I don't understand. It never made sense to me. Well, and I tell you what, the Bible does not condone something in one place that it condemns in another. So don't try to go to me in the Bible where it says, and Jesus made uh, wine, water into the wine, and where Paul told Timothy, a little wine for thy stomach's sake. He's not talking about an alcoholic drink, I'm telling you right now. Study the Word of God, amen. And get somebody that's got a good Baptist history in studying the Word of God, then it'll help you understand what he's saying. One of the best books I ever read on the subject, and it was written by Jack Van Impe years ago, was Public Enemy Number One. Amen? Public Enemy Number One. We need to take a stand as believers in Jesus Christ. I could not understand how someone had such a lost sense of sin that was a born-again believer saved by the very grace of God. What does the Bible say about sin? Well, the Bible says it's grievous. It's grievous. Look with me in... in, uh, uh, Genesis chapter 18, just for a moment, please. Genesis and chapter 18. We're going to book of Genesis and chapter 18. He makes this statement, Genesis chapter 18. And look with me, if you would, please, down to verse 20. Genesis 18, verse 20. We're just going to look at a couple of verses here. He says, Genesis 18, down to verse 20. He makes this statement. He says, And the Lord said, Because the city of Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is very grievous, very heavy, your sin is very heavy, very grievous, and he says that's what sin is. And when when you turn to sinful things in your life, that's heavy. Listen, some will look at that and say that's heavy on God's heart. Well, yeah, God's against sin, Amen. He's against sin, but it's heavy on you. It's very grievous, and everybody around you, everybody around you sees it. Everybody around you sees it. You're the only one. You're the only one that doesn't see it. Everybody else sees it. Everybody else knows something's not right. Everybody else knows it ought not to be that way, but we don't see it. It's grievous. The Bible says that sin separates Isaiah chapter 59. You can turn there. Isaiah, look with me in Isaiah 59, just for a moment, please, the book of Isaiah. In chapter fifty nine, I believe that's the verse I want. Chapter fifty nine, chapter verse one and verse two. he says, "Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, but it cannot say uh, that it cannot save. Neither is ear heavy that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated you uh, between you. Uh, your iniquities have, excuse me, have separated between you and your God. And your sins have hid His face from you that He will not hear." Separate. Sin separates you from a healthy relationship with God. Sin separates you from a healthy relationship with your family. Sin separates you from having a healthy relationship with the church. Sin separates you from having a healthy relationship with your pastor. Sin separates you from having a healthy relationship with the Holy Spirit and Jesus Christ. Amen. Sin separates you from having a relationship that God has intended for you, since you got saved by His grace. Amen. He's intended for you to have a relationship relationship with him that like you've never had on this earth with anybody else but that's God amen. amen you know I love my wife very dearly but I told her many times in the past uh, don't 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 uh don't, don't look to me for your strength, amen? <laughs> Some people look to other people for their strength. Some men look to their wives for their strength, and I thank the Lord that my wife's a strong lady. I mean, I mean, she's a, you know, she's a spiritually strong lady. I thank the Lord for that. I really do, but my strength has to be from the Lord. I have to look to the Lord for my for my strength, Pastor, and she has to look to the Lord for her strength also the same way. My strength cannot be in myself. It has to be in the Lord. They had a sense of, uh, 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 um, listen, in my, if I'm not where I ought to be, I, I'm separated from that. I'm separated from that strength that God has for me, for that relationship, from that walk, that He's intended for me as a believer in Jesus Christ. And it separates you from the same thing. It separates you from what God has intended for you as a believer in Jesus Christ, to to go forward and and to, listen, and to live as a conqueror, amen, to live as a victor uh, in this life. Uh, Listen, I I don't get the victory, Pastor, uh, once I get to heaven. I don't get the victory when Jesus comes back and takes me home with Him. I've got the victory already because I'm born again, saved by His grace. I got the victory, amen. Amen. It's about time we start living like we have it. Amen? We need to live like we have the victory in Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, but I remember when I was a kid, we played a lot of baseball. And... Um, in Jefferson, Ohio, you know, we had the Black Sox and we had the Red Sox and we had the, and we had the White Sox and we had the Tigers and we had the, we had the Indians and we had, you know, we had every team out there uh, that we could even, we made up a lot of them, you know. I mean, we had all kinds of teams that we, uh, that we played. And I remember the team that I was on one year, I don't know if we ever won one game. We were not victorious. But boy, you cannot prove that to us, man. When I got one of our guys get a, a double or a triple out there, we shouted just like he hit a grand slam home run. We were excited for him. You couldn't tell us that we were losers that year. You know the problem is just because things don't turn out your way, you don't live like a loser. Amen? Live like you have victory in your life. And, and shout for glory, hallelujah. I'm not saying you have to stand up and say, well, glory. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying just get excited in your life for Jesus Christ, no matter what's going on, no matter how hard it gets, no matter how difficult it gets, no matter who hates you. And there's going to be plenty of people in the world that are going to hate you, amen? There's going to be plenty of people in the world that are going to hate you if you're doing what's right. If you're doing what's right, they're not going to to have anything to do with you. By the way, if you're doing what's right, there's going to be some Christians who don't want to have anything to do with you either. Amen. That's right. Don't let them stop you from living a victorious Christian life, from doing what's right. It separates. It separates. And then you know, sin is a sin is a written record, Pastor. It's a written record. Go with me to Jeremiah chapter 17. Just a few more pages over in your Bible, Jeremiah 17. I think I preached on this uh, uh, text the last week when I was here, but I want to look at uh, just uh, at the beginning of this. Uh, text in Jeremiah 17 and verse 1, he says, the sin of Judah is written with a pen of iron and with the point of a diamond. It is graven upon the table of their heart and upon the horns of your altars. Hey, listen, my friend, it's a written record. God keeps track. He keeps track. But I'll tell you what, I'm glad that as a born again believer, he keeps track. But I'm glad that when I come to him and ask forgiveness preacher, I get it. Amen. No matter what I do, That doesn't mean you ought to do it and then say, well, I'm going to get forgiveness tomorrow. I would would highly wonder, maybe even question your salvation. That sounds hard. I understand that. But just listen to me. If you think you can live in sin day by day by day by day, and as soon as you sin, I'm going to confess. it. As soon as you sin, you don't have a repentant heart. You don't have a heart that God wants to. You don't have a heart that God can turn if he wants to. Because your heart's far from him. You're you're mouthing the words, but the same thoughts in your mind, I'm going to go out, I'm going to do it today. And every day you might sin, and then maybe that night you'll confess it, and then the next day you'll do the same thing. And the night you might confess, or you might do it and confess it, and turn around and do it again the very same day. That's not repentance, my friend. And God requires repentance for forgiveness to take place in your life. We don't hear a lot about that anymore. But that's what he's wanting from Israel. He is wanting a repentant heart from the uh, from uh, Judah and uh, these two tribes here. It's a written record. Uh, sin is also the sum, sum of addition. The sum of addition. Somebody asked me one time. They said, "One." They said one, a little kid said, "One plus one makes two. And I, I was messing with their mind. I said, "No." I said, "The Bible says one plus one makes one." And they looked at me and said, What do you mean? I said, Well, the Bible says Adam and Eve, Eve and Adam, and it said, twain, uh, twain became one. Two became one, amen. So I said, Go that, tell, that to your, tell that to your smart teacher. See what she said. If <laughs> it was my teacher when I was a kid, she'd smack you in the head, amen. <laughs> or she'd hold, it, hold your hand out. How many remember the three cornered ruler? Well, oh, come on now. How many of you had that used on you? If you went, all right, we got one honest person in the back, hallelujah. Well, oh, Mrs. Bidlack, I don't know, you didn't know Mrs. Bidlack. You went to, you went to Rock Creek. You were privileged, amen. <laughs> I don't know about that, but you went to Rock Creek when you were a kid. You went to Jefferson when you were older, you know. Then you got smart, amen. But Rock Creek and Jefferson, we had Mrs. Bidlack. And Mrs. Bidlack, I tell you what, her husband was a truant officer in town. I don't even know if they have truant officers anymore. But he would chase you down. I am not kidding you. I skipped so much school, preacher, that he would look. He would look for me. One day, I'm walking out of the house and I'm walking up the street, and I'm, I, come, I, I, I come up to a corner and I turn around the corner and I see. Mister, he was a big man. I see him up at the other corner of the store. He saw me coming, and so he just ducks around the corner. Kidneys. <laughs> so I just run around the back of the store and went down another alley. Me, he never did find me. <laughs> But you still get in trouble, man. I'm just telling you. Sin's a written record, man. It's a sum of addition. Woe in Isaiah 30, verse 1. Woe to the rebellious children, saith the Lord. Watch this. Take counsel, but not of me. That, that, should they take counsel, but not of me, he says. So we'll listen to that one more time. Woe to the rebellious children, saith the Lord, that take counsel, but not of me. And that cover with a covering but not of my spirit, that they may add sin to sin. It's a sum of addition. They add sin to sin on top of each other. You know, the problem with sin is it's not hard to do it the second time if it's not confessed. Amen? It might not even be the same sin. But you know what? For instance, uh, I don't know, uh, you don't have to put up your hand. Before I was saved, Pastor, I was a liar. I was a liar. I mean, I, I would lie. I would, you know, if I even, if I thought, I would lie even if I didn't know I was caught. I would lie. I mean, I would just lie, you know. And, and, uh, and the problem with the liars, they can't remember what they said last time, amen. <laughs> the problem with lying is this, is you'll, you'll lie this time, and then, then, you, then you magnify it. Then you add to it. And then it might be, it might not be lying, it might be stealing. It's easy to steal something. I had a fellow one time that I knew that used to bring toilet paper home from work in his lunchbox. And, uh, and, and uh, he, he, here, here was his explanation, well, they don't pay me enough. And my thought was this, well, maybe you're getting paid too much now. Amen? Because if he was working for me and I caught you stealing toilet paper, guess what? I don't care what your problem is. You ain't, you're, you're gone. You're done. Amen? You're done. And so you might not be. It might not be that. It might be something else. But it adds up, and it's easier to do the next time. It's always easier to do something wrong the second time than what it was the first time. Sin is a sum of addition, and then it's a wage earner. In in Romans, you know Romans chapter six, verse twenty-three. Amen. Do you know what? What's Romans six twenty-three say? For the what? Say it again. For the wages of sin is what? But what? But is what? Through, through Jesus Christ our Lord, amen. Sin, hey, listen, sin is a wage earner. You can't, you, they needed revival. They were in a state of great need here because they, they were gonna, God said, this is what's gonna happen. And he already told them they're going to 70 years of captivity, Pastor, because they failed, to re- they failed to renounce sin and failed to repent. Can I tell you this? I believe, preacher, I believe this with all my heart. I really do. If they would have repented, if the nation of Israel would have repented, listen, if they would have repented, it would not have gone into that captivity. It would not have. But he prophesied it. It was gonna happen because they would not repent. They would not turn back to God. No matter what they said, they did not turn back to God. In fact, look at verse 10 of our text back in Jeremiah. He says this in verse 10. And yet for all this, her treacherous sister Judah. He talked about he's talking about Israel. And now he says, For all this, treacherous sister Judah hath not turned unto me with her whole heart. Judah has saw what had happened to Israel for the other ten tribes. And he said, now they have not turned to me with their whole heart, but feignedly," saith the Lord. That means a, a fake, not real. In fact, the word feigned means this. It means invented. It means devised. It means imagined. They imagined it was all right. It means assumed. They assumed because they spoke to God from their lips that everything was fine. They assumed just because they had said some things uh, to God, uh, they thought it was going to be all right. Uh, but he said, they faintly, they came to me, they weren't, it wasn't right, they weren't right with me. They turned their back on God. They feignedly, he says, uh, approached me, came to him in that way, uh, unto me with her whole heart. Would not? He said, but did not turn with me unto their whole heart. But feignedly, uh, saith the Lord, just pretended or acted like they were. Hey, anybody in here ever act good when you weren't? There uh, uh, goes my hand again. Amen. <laughs> did you ever? Did you ever act like you? Uh, did you ever act like you? you uh, well, I won't even go there, amen, because <laughs> it's just going to get me in more trouble tonight. You know, we act, sometimes we would act good, but we're not, amen? For instance, for instance, people will come to church sometimes, and somebody will say, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing fine. But you just had a fight with your wife or your husband in the car on the way to church. I'm not putting my hand up say I do that, amen? Why are you smiling, honey? <laughs> See, <laughs> anybody, you don't have to put up your hand. I'm just simply saying. But we come in the church, we say it's not. It's not true. And how can our heart be? How can our heart be ready for God to speak us when our heart wasn't ready on the way here? How can our heart be ready for God to speak to us when we're when we're upset or mad at somebody else in the church? How can our heart be ready for God to speak to us when we stand up and, and, and we open up a hymn book and, and we're, we're so mad we don't even know the words that we're singing. We just sing the words and don't even recognize the message of the words, amen. And there's some great, there's some great hymns in your songbook, amen. There's another songbook out there, a Great Hymns of the Faith, that has, this is the only other songbook, this uh, Songs of Hymns of Revival, is the only other songbook I've ever found this song in, Since the Savior Found Me. It's in this songbook. I was looking it up tonight down there. I always look because this is the only other songbook, Pastor, I've ever seen that song in. Is, is that this one and Great Hymns of the Faith. It's the only, and, that's, and that's my, you're not sure what it is. Look it up later on. That's my testimony song, amen? It is. That's my testimony song. But you know I can sing that song if I'm upset with somebody or upset with the situation or mad at the preacher or mad at somebody else. Or did, and, and not even not even sing the word, i will be singing it, but not even not even know what I'm singing. but I just know the words. Amen. Since the Savior found me, pardoned all my sin. Amen. boy, I had that great joy and peace where within. Amen. Boy, I tell you what, my friend, we need to make sure that our heart is in a relationship with God, that when he speaks to us that we're not like Israel, and we're not like Judah. You know, Israel went into to a captivity, the Assyrian captivity, they never recovered from. Never recovered from it. Never recovered from it. There, there, that 10 tribes was gone. Oh, there's some that survived coming. But pastor, as far as knowledge, they, they, nobody knew of them anymore. And then Judah was going down the same pathway. They did the same thing that their sister did, the same way, and God says it ought not to be. They were in a state of needed revival. I don't know where you're at this evening in your Christian life, and you know, frankly, I I, I don't need to know. I mean, you know your heart, Amen, Amen. You know where you're at as a child of God. You know what you need as a child of God. You know what God speaks to your heart about as a believer in Jesus Christ. Let me just finish this with you. I, I thank God for forgiveness. I do, you know. When, and when I find myself in a state where I, where I and many times I know I need revival, I'd be, if, I, if I didn't say that, I'd be lying to you. And you know I was lying to you, amen. You know how you know, how you know that I'd be lying to you? Because many times you need the same thing. Amen? Acts 2.21 says, And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It starts at salvation. Romans 10.13, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall what? Be saved. Psalm 86.5, you might not know, but it says this, For thou, Lord, art good and ready to forgive and plenteous in mercy unto all them that call upon thee. Not just at salvation, but at salvation. He's he's full of mercy for you even tonight. No matter what you've gone through, no matter what's going on in your life, no matter what's happening, he's full of mercy, and he wants to give that to you. Hebrews 4.16. I, I, uh, I love Hebrews. In fact, I preach a message on this verse. He said, let us, therefore, come boldly into the throne of grace. Isn't that a good, isn't that a good verse? He said, Well, we can come boldly into the throne of grace. But what, listen to the rest of that verse. That we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in a time or in time. Of need. Well, I tell you, I don't know about you, but when I find myself in a state of a need for revival, guess what I have? I have a need, and I need help from God in my time of need. I don't know where you're at tonight. I don't know if you're saved. If you're not saved, I hope you're saved. Um, I know most of you in this room. Probably just know just about everybody in this room. Haven't heard all your testimony, but I hope you know Christ in a personal way. Amen. And if you don't, you can tonight. If you don't, you can. I mean, it's so easy to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, calling upon Him to forgive you for your sin and to trust Him as your personal Savior. There's nothing hard about getting saved. And Pastor, I'm not—I'm not an easy believism guy. Amen. I mean, I believe—I believe we need to repent. I believe we need to understand. I believe that—I've always believed that. But it's easy. It's easy. We—we're the ones that make it hard if you don't know Christ as your Savior tonight, you could know him in a personal way and know for sure that when your life ends that you have an eternal relationship with him in a place called heaven. Because there's a, listen, there's a hell to shun and a heaven to gain. Heads about and eyes closed. Second question. In fact, let me just ask, are you saved? If you say, Mike, I know I'm saved without a shadow of a doubt, without a shadow of a doubt, I know 100% for sure that I'm born again, saved by the grace of God. Would you put up your hand to stick it way up in the air and hold it up? You say, I know, I know, I know, I know I'm saved. Put it up in the air. God bless you. You can put them down. You can put them down. Now, if you could not raise your hand, if you could not raise your hand, heads bowed, eyes closed, if you could not raise your hand. Now, I've said that just to say this to you. No one looking, but if you could not raise your hand, it, would you just look up here where I'm at right now? And if I, if you look at me now, let me ask you a question. Don't don't answer because I'm not I'm not going to embarrass you. Okay, all right. So I want you to either shake your head yes or no for me. I'm going to say you're not sure that you're saved. Is that correct? Am I right about that? Here's another question for you. Would you like to be sure? Would you like to know Christ? Would you like to Would you like to be sure? All right. I'm going to give an invitation a little bit. Nobody's going to be looking. Would you step out and come up here where I'm at in just a minute, okay? Would you do that? All right. Anybody else looking tonight? Anybody else not sure of your salvation? Not sure. If you're not sure, look up here where I'm at, please. Look where I'm at. Second question is this. Now, can I encourage you two ways, folks, tonight? The Lord spoke to your heart. Would you, would you do honor to God? Not for me. This is not for me. I don't count how many people come forward. I gave that up years and years ago. Because, it, it, you know, but to honor the Lord, and the Lord spoke to your heart, would you do something about tonight? Can I tell you this? When you do it, it encourages others to do the same thing. It encourages others to step out. Would you stand to your feet with your heads bowed and your eyes closed? The Lord spoke to your heart. The Lord spoke to your heart. Be an encouragement to someone else this evening. How about it right now? You be an encouragement. I'm going to pray and then I'm going to give the invitation. Father, thank you for your precious word. Thank you for the privilege tonight you've given to me to be here. Thank you for these people, Father. Thank you for the honesty that they've, that they've uh, exhumed. Father, they show that, Lord. Thank you for this one that looked up about salvation, Father. I pray for them, Father. I ask that you help them tonight to get a clear understanding from your word that you'd have all the honor and the glory and be magnified upon high. And we'll give you the praise and the thanks in Christ's name. Heads bowed, eyes closed. The Lord spoke to your heart as our sister begins quiet quietly at a